I know you brought your Bibles. I don't know, do we put scriptures on the screens? Do we do that? Sometimes, maybe yes, maybe not. But tonight, for sure, we need to get our Bibles out. I want you to turn with me over to Matthew chapter 14. It's where we started this morning, and I want to continue and end here tonight. You know, our church is full of testimonies just like this one. And all across our fellowship, we are blessed to be able to reach out into the harvest. You know, the whole world is a harvest. And there's a harvest between here and, and Sanger. And uh, we're going to be able to reach Sanger. Is that how you say it, Sanger? 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 We're going to reach Sanger. We're going to reach Denton. I love, I love how you guys talk. Y'all talk down here. Hey, I'm I'm learning by by Wednesday night. I'll be I'll be speaking fluent Texan. We're from Colorado, you know. Nobody has an accent in Colorado, as far as we're concerned. It's everybody else. But, Amen. There's a harvest field. I was preaching just a couple of weeks ago for Pastor Richard Marshall. He pastors now in Denton. Sorry, in Denver, and he was 17 years on staff at our church in Colorado Springs. Got saved years ago in our church and went and pastored a couple different places and for 17 years was on staff at our church there, but a door opened for him to go and preach up in Denver, Colorado at the church there and they needed a pastor and they were, Pastor Richard Marshall and Sharice were willing to go, some of you know them. And they've got a great church, they had a great outreach yesterday in a, in a park and uh, it, it was. It's exciting what God is doing. I was preaching there two weeks ago, and in between services, a man came into the church. We were just playing and messing around on the equipment because we had a ministry leaders meeting coming, and and uh, we just had a little bit of time to to spend there in the sanctuary. And actually, all the men had left. It was just me, and there was a, some other ladies in the sanctuary talking. And a guy comes in, and he was intoxicated. And I didn't really know what this guy was. He's a, he was a bigger guy, and I thought, you know, anything can happen. You know, I didn't know what was going to happen. And he was very respectful, He was, and he was just wanting to see what was going on with this church. And he'd seen, he'd seen the church. Somebody had given him a flyer and invited him, and he came, to, came by to check it out. I said, why don't you stay around? Why don't you stick, stick around for a minute? He says, well, I think I'm going to come back. He says, let me go home and slap my wife around and curse her out, and I'll be back. I said, well, you don't need to do that. I said, just stick around and, and uh, come and be a part of the service. We start at 6 o'clock. It's a couple hours away, but, but uh, just stick around. Another brother came down from the upstairs and came down and was standing there, and he, he said the same thing. He said, let me go, let me go slap my wife around. I'm going to go curse her out, but I'll be back. And so uh, we tried to hold him there for a minute. Finally, Pastor Marshall had come back from picking somebody up and and he also tried to encourage him to stay. He said, let me, let me go home. I'm going to go home and curse my wife out, but I'll be back. And so we thought, well, hopefully he'll be back. We know he's a, he's a bit, you know, intoxicated, but that's all right. He'll be back. And so sure enough, at 6 o'clock, he came walking into the church. And he found himself a little seat over to the side. He had to hold himself up, you know, the whole service. And I kind of wondered, is he, is he getting anything? Is anything happening? God doing something here with this guy. I preached that night, and, and by the end of the service, I want you to know, he responded to the altar call. He gave his life to the Lord. And Pastor Marshall, 
But he was kind of, you know, he was wondering, is this guy, is anything really happening here? Is he going to remember what happened here tonight? And so he called me last week. This is last week. And he says, he says, you're never going to believe this, Pastor Paul. He says, we were on outreach, and we happened to knock on this guy's door. We, uh, of all the houses, we found this guy's house. And this time he was sober. And he remembered coming to church. He was, he he, he he made that commitment, and he says, you know, I've got, to get my, I've got to get my family involved. He said, all right, we're going to have an outreach on Saturday. And sure enough, yesterday, Pastor Marshall tells me yesterday, he showed up with his family at the outreach. You know, I just got to thinking to myself, you know, isn't that what God does in people's lives? He takes people that are in the, at the very lowest of the low. Desperate places, you know, their feet are in, in miry clay. They just don't have any real answers. How many know what I'm talking about? Most of this church came out of that very same place. In fact, all of us, if we've given our lives to the Lord, have come out of that place where God rescued us. Some people just hide it better. Some people, they, they've, they've got more dignified devils. They still got devils, they're just more dignified. Some folks, they, all their devils are living on the, on the surface, you know what I'm saying? Others, they got them hidden way down deep. But I'm going to tell you something. We, we, have a, we have a great opportunity in winning the lost. All around us, there are opportunities. Within a mile of this building and within, within five miles of that building, there, there are so many needs, so many opportunities, and we're, we're determined that we're going to do what God has called us to do. We're going to win the lost. We're not perfect. We don't claim to have all of the answers except for Jesus Christ, who is the answer. Can you say amen? Thank God for that. We meet all kinds of crazy people. We've had our share in the Colorado Springs Church, just one. Uh, you know, we, we get all kinds of exciting people that come into our church on that south side of Colorado Springs. We had a guy one time that came in. He ran in. We didn't realize it, but he was, he was running from the police. He ran into the church, and this is before you had to walk all the way around to get to the nurseries. Our nursery entrance was right by the front entrance. So he ran into the building, took a right turn, and went straight for the nurseries, went to the nursery desk. He says, I need a change of clothes. I need somebody to give me a change of clothes. And we thought, is he, is he homeless? Does he just need, a, need help? We didn't realize that he was running from the cops, and he wanted to change his outfit. Because the cops were right behind him. Sure enough, here comes the cops. They, they rolled into our church, and, and of course, we, uh, we were compelled to give him up. But, you know, we get all kinds of interesting people in church. And, you know, if it wasn't for the grace of God, that would be us, right? We've all come out of some, some kind of, of uh, problematic past or lifestyle. But the good news is, is that God takes us the way we are in the life that we're living, and he gives us a new identity. He puts our feet on, on solid ground. He puts marriages back together. He puts our mind back together, gives us our mind back. We have a man by the name of Robert Foose. Some of you may have known him. He's a man out of the Colorado Springs Church. Got saved there, was 15 years a meth addict. And the pictures that he has, has brought in of, of just the, the emaciated body and, the, and the, 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 the life he had lived. And he was sharing with me just two weeks ago that if, it was, if he took just one hit of marijuana, you know, marijuana is legal now in Colorado, and it won't be long. It'll be legal in Texas probably in all 50 states. You never know. But... He says if it was just a hit, 
of that marijuana, he said, it would be a downward spiral for my life. He said, I'd go back to that thing. He says, I can't even give the devil an inch in my life. Can't give the devil any opportunity. But these are the kinds of people that Jesus took and he called men that, were, that, that had all kinds of problems. People that did, they were not perfect people. They didn't have they didn't have a pedigree of, of in their past, and they didn't have you know all of these different different things in their past. But they were just simple men, and 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 they were just like us, people with problems. And these are the men that Jesus is dealing with when we look at this story where Jesus feeds the five thousand, not five, but ten or fifteen or more than that. And we're going to pick up this story in Matthew chapter 14. I want to look at it if we can. We're going to read this. And I want to continue in, in, the, in the thought that I, that I shared with you this morning. First, recognizing his presence. Second, his timing. Let's look at it in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14. It says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion. Here, right here is the key word. I've got it circled in my Bible, and, and, and that is the key word, compassion. That Jesus had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. He directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up how many baskets? Twelve baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. You know, it's interesting, and I've, I've preached along these lines before, and you may have heard this before as well, but it's interesting that, that Jesus didn't leave the fragments out, but he gathered them up, all those broken pieces. You know, we're, we're a lot like that, aren't we? Broken pieces. Just, just a mess. And God has, has, has enough love. He cares about us that he gathers up the broken pieces that nothing is left, nothing is thrown away or cast aside. But I want to look at, at this verse right here, Matthew 14 and verse 16. This right here, in my opinion, is the most important verse of the passage because this verse has to do with the disciples. How many disciples do we have here? All of us ought to be disciples. We don't graduate. We don't become, you know, uh, nursery workers and, and leaders and then pastors, and then we're no longer disciples. We're all disciples. And God's breakthroughs for our lives and for our marriages, it involves a human element. There's, a, there's something in the middle that uh, between what God wants to do and the need that needs to be met, and that is the human element. That's us. This miracle could not have taken place. He, God, God, it was, it was uh, important that the disciples were going to be involved in this. Whenever you read through Scripture, you understand how important it is that God uses men and women as a part of His plan. When God wanted to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, 
He chose a man named Moses who, who, who didn't have everything together. He, he picked this man. He couldn't speak. All he had was a rod, and he used Aaron to be his, his mouthpiece. And, and he, he takes imperfect people. When he wanted to do a miracle in the city of Jericho, he leads them to a woman by the name of what? Rahab. Rahab takes a, a scarlet rope and hangs it outside of her window, and she gives inside in intelligence to what's happening inside of Jericho, and God uses this woman by the name of Rahab. Then you read about a young man by the name of Gideon. Gideon. Gideon, who says, I am, he, he says, I'm the least of my, of my tribe, the least of my family. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. You man that is going, you're going to do something great. You're going to do something significant. He says, why, how could I ever do anything important? Who am I? I'm just the least in my family. Here he is, he's hiding, and, and, and he's down in the valley, and he's, he's just threshing the wheat. He's, he's, uh, he's just hiding from his enemies. And God uses him as an instrument of, of deliverance. We have to remember that God wants to use us in a mighty way. He calls us from where we are and puts our feet on solid ground. I thought about this young man. Pastor Marshall and I were talking about that guy. His name was Aaron. I thought, I, I thought you know, God could take his, his life. Who knows what God has for him for his future? He might be an usher one day in the church. He might be leading an outreach one day in the church. He could, be, he could be playing the drums in the church. He could be involved in ministry somewhere. But, you know, so many times we underestimate what God wants to do. We don't see, even in our own selves, we think, what would God want with me? Who am I? What can I do? What, can, what, what am I good for? You read about these men. Then you think about a young lady by the name of Mary. You know, God chose her. He says, the angel of the Lord comes and says to Mary, remember, she's the mother of Jesus, and says to Mary, Mary, you found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You've, you're going to be a, a, an important element in what my plan is. If you, go, if you go even to the book of Acts, you read about a man by the name of Saul. All of these people had something in common, and that is when, the, when, the word of, when, when, the, when God began to work upon them and God began to deal with their hearts, they had something that was in common. They all said yes. This young man in, in Pastor Marshall's church, he said yes. The Holy Spirit knocks on the door of his heart. He doesn't realize it, but that is the first step to the, to the, to the, the plan and the purpose that God wants to do in his life. All of them, Mary, Saul of Tarsus, here he is. He's, a, he's the enemy of the church. He's one of the greatest persecutors of the church of this day. God meets him on that road, and Jesus touches his life and speaks to him. And in that moment, he, he does something that is critical, and it affects every single one of us. We have two-thirds of the New Testament. This man, Saul, who became Paul, and he said yes, became one of the greatest apostles. When we say yes to God, we become an instrument of God. We become useful in the hands of the Lord. 
And here's these these men that Jesus is with, Peter, Simon Peter, and these disciples. They they are at, at this moment instruments of God. God's not going to do the miracle without them. Jesus is not doing it without them, according to, to what our text is. And then they said to him in verse 17. So there's three things there I've, I've given you. We recognize his presence. We understand the timing of God. We recognize His timing. And then we recognize we are instruments of God. As insignificant as we feel. You might, you might say, you know, I've, I'm only visiting here tonight. I don't even go to this church. It doesn't matter. God speaks to our hearts. He, he, he finds us where we are. God knew that we would all be here. He knew all. He knew. He knows every one of us by name. He knows that you are here, and he has a specific plan and purpose for your life. And we can either accept what he wants to do, acknowledge the voice of God, or we can absolutely reject it and say, "God, I'm not interested in what you have for my life." God, that, now that sounds a little bit harsh, doesn't it? But that is what we are basically saying when we turn our back on the plans and purposes of God. We say, you know what, I've got a better way. I've got a better plan. doesn't matter what God has or wants to do, but I've got a better plan. In verse 17, they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. Just five loaves and two fish. You know, this little boy... He didn't bring two lunches. He just brought one. And I don't even know what, I don't know how big these loaves were. I don't know how big the fish were. But he had five loaves and two fish. And, you know, they, they didn't steal it from him. He offered it. Have you ever tried taking food from a kid that doesn't want to give up their, their uh, cheddar cheese goldfish? You know what I'm saying? They don't want to give it up. When we adopted our little girl, she's 16, she's not so little anymore, but when she came and lived at our house, Reese was six years old. We, we adopted her from India, and, and uh, we, had a, we had a full pantry, and we lived in Nairobi at the time. We had a full pantry, we'd make, make food, but she wasn't used to having all of those options. She wasn't used to being able to have unlimited food. She came out of the orphanage, missionaries of charity, Mother Teresa's orphanage in Mumbai, which now they don't even adopt kids out. Missionaries of charity has closed the door on adoptions and all of that. But, you know, she wasn't used to it. And so, so she would put her hand like this, and this is how she ate, huh? That's how she would eat. But it didn't take very long. And next thing she, you know, she's opening, her, opening up her arms, and she's freely, she, she understands that there's more where that came from. That there's plenty more where that came from. But here, here, this little boy, he willingly gives up his lunch. He didn't have another lunch. And he gives it up. And, and so there was a grace. I believe that there was a grace upon his life because he gave what he had. And he surrendered it to, to the Lord. And, you know, sometimes this is the way we need to be. If we want to break through in our lives, then there's, at some point we need to step out in faith. At some point, we have to say, God, whatever I have is yours, and I willingly give it to you. You know, sometimes we hold on to things so, so tightly. It's, it's, my, it's my time. It's my money. It's my family. It's, it's my talents. 
when we could be so much more open-handed. How many know God is open-handed with us? God's not holding back on us. Why is it that so many times we, we hold back on God and we, we, we withhold from God? And I'm not talking just about money. Sometimes it's our time. You know, when we, it, when we really give our lives to the Lord, we say, God, what I have, it all belongs to you. Lord, my family belongs to you. My time belongs to you. My resources, my skill, my ability. Pastor's talking about the, the work that needs to take place and the brothers and the sisters that are, that are investing in that building there. And all because that, that's our church, right? We all get to enjoy that. We all get to, to, to worship there, and that's our church. We're going to give ourselves. We know that as, our investment, as we make our investment, there's a return that's coming. God's going to meet us in that. God doesn't leave us and, and neglect us or, or turn his back on us, but he blesses us, and there's a risk in that. And if you, it, it, you know, I, I don't know what this little boy was thinking. Maybe two or three people could eat that lunch. But he gives that lunch, and so we have to recognize that, that the fourth thing is, is that God's grace works in obedience, obedient lives. His grace works in obedient lives. I want to believe, and it doesn't say this specifically, but when that, that five loaves and two fish were multiplied and they gathered up those 12 baskets that they sent it home with that little boy. That's what I'm thinking. That his mom sent him with one lunch, and he came back with 12 baskets full. And she's wondering, where did all of this food come from? And he tells her this story. Mom, you're never going to believe it. There was this man, and I gave him the lunch. And next thing you know, they're feeding all of these people. She, she, maybe she was there with him. Maybe she witnessed it herself, and she saw the, the faith of this little boy. But, you know, faith is a tough concept for some people. It's tough to understand. Let me just say this thing about faith. Faith works beyond our five natural senses. If you, can, if you can see it, taste it, feel it, hear it, all of those things, and, and smell it, that's the only way that we typically operate. It, everything has to, we, we measure everything based on those things. Faith operates beyond those five senses. That's where God begins to get involved. That's where, we, that's where we see real miracles begin to take place in our lives. How, how, can, how can a person who has pain in their body or is sick immediately be healed? We prayed for the sick just a few weeks back and had people in the altars, and, and we had a number of different miracles that we didn't even have time to get all of the, the testimonies and the reports, but some of them came in with back pain. One man specifically told me just the other day, he came in and he didn't, he didn't know how, he, he, didn't, he just had faith that he was going to be healed. And he could not bend over. And when we said, test yourself, he bent over, com he completely bent over and stood back up. And, and it, the moment he tested himself, he was instantly healed. Another young man, he couldn't lift his arm. And I, I said, how many, how many got healed in this place? He, he lifted up his hand. I said, what happened? He says, when I came in, I couldn't lift my arm past right here. I said, let me see you move your arm. He was going like this, moving his arm like crazy. You know, that, that might be a small thing to some people, but I want you to know it was a big thing to him. His faith was challenged. He began to step out and obey God in faith. In Hebrews 11:6. 6, 
You know the verse, without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is. What, that he's what? He's a rewarder. What is the reward? That his blessing is going to come upon our lives. That our need is going to be met. When we step out in faith, go read, go read in Hebrews chapter 11 of all of these people that received a miracle by faith. Something that could not be done with human effort. Things that, I mean, amazing miracles. God is still the God of miracles. He's, he's still the God that redeems us and rescues us and gives us hope. He does supernatural things. If he can create a coin in a fish's mouth, I believe he can create money in your bank account. If he can, if he can heal a blind man, if he can touch a lame person, he still does those things. And in fact, he says, greater things will you do. We're going to see greater things, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a supernatural God. He's a miracle-working God, and we stand on those promises. Faith is obedience in action. We, we just begin to take action. Now, I, one thing I really appreciate is I appreciate the faith your pastor has. He does not live by his five senses, I can tell you that. If he did, you wouldn't be stepping into a brand new building, a new building over there. Say, well, how are we going to do that by faith? How are we going to pay for all of those supplies and the things that are gonna, it's going to take to fix that place up by faith? How are we going to fill that building with people by faith? Where are those people coming from? They're going to come in from all over, from every direction by faith. Amen? We just see it. We've just got enough. We've, we're just crazy enough to step out and, and do like Peter did and start walking on water because sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it, Pastor Blake? We don't, have, we don't have guarantees. We just know that God is our guarantee. We thank God for that. And this is what the Word of God says. This is my favorite part of all of this. Jesus tells the disciples, you give them something to eat. You know, they're probably looking at each other thinking, what, what, what's he talking about? I don't have anything. Do you have anything? No, I don't have anything. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. You know what he's telling them? You are about to be a part of something that is supernatural. You'll be telling your kids and grandkids about this for the rest of your lives. And did you know that this is the only miracle that is mentioned in all four of the Gospels. All of them began to, they wrote about this. Jesus makes them an instrument of his mercy. You give them something to eat. You know, their faith had to begin to operate right here. And their faith wasn't massive faith. They, they're, just, they're just common men. Think about this for a moment. Let me, let me have 12. Can I get 12 disciples? Come stand up here. For me, 12 disciples, 12 men. Give me 12 men. Here we got one, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Am I, wait, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I need two more disciples, two more men, okay? There's 11, and then here comes Judas. I'm just teasing. You're the last one. 
Is this 12? Are you sure? Okay, now, let me tell you how Jesus did this. All right, he takes a loaf of bread, all right? He breaks it in half. Isn't that what the Bible says? He breaks it in half, and he gives it one and one. So both of these guys have half a loaf, five loaves and two fish, right? Then he breaks it in half, and he gives these two a half a loaf. Then he breaks it in half, and he takes the third one, and he gives these two guys half a loaf. Then he breaks it in half. The, the, the fourth one, one, two, three. This is the fourth one. He breaks it in half, gives it to these two. That's a half a loaf, right? Then he breaks it in half. One more. There's one more loaf. He breaks it in half, gives it to these two guys. And then we have a fish, like a sardine or something, a fish and a fish. All right? He doesn't break the fish. Now, think about this. He takes, he takes it. He breaks it. He blesses it, and then what does he do? He gives it back to them, right? He gives it back to them. Now what do they do? He says, you give them something to eat. Now you think about this. The miracle didn't happen in Jesus' hands. It happened in their hands. That's where the miracle takes place. We think that the miracle happens in heaven, and we just get to be the beneficiaries of it. The miracle happens when we're useful and we're obedient to what he calls us to. Think about that for a second. You know, that's, that, that's a revelation for some people. And now they begin to hand it out. And now I want you to think, how did it take place? I don't know if they, you know, if it was me and I was one of the disciples and the Lord said, you give them something to eat, I would look at my, my half a loaf and I think, now what do you want me to do? Am I just gonna break it, break a piece off and give it to somebody? How come he didn't how come he didn't put it in the in a basket and they just kept going back to the basket and getting more? He wanted them to see the miracle. And they as they would take it off, I can just imagine them taking off a piece of bread and it just grows again. And they take off a piece and it grows again. That's supernatural. Amen. You guys can go sit down. Thank you. I appreciate it. Wait, let me ask you a question. Of these guys that are up here, does anybody know the name of all 12 disciples? Do you know the name of all 12 of them? Anybody? Let me hear it. Destiny, let me hear it. Because it sounds like you know. All right, who do, what do we got? We got... Let's say Simon Peter, Andrew, John, then you have James, James the the greater, James the less, then you have Bartholomew and Philip and Thomas, and who else? I said Andrew already, didn't I? Judas, Thaddeus. Am I missing one more? Did I say Matthew? I'm gonna read them. I'm gonna read them off to you. Simon Peter, Andrew. Somebody was yelling at our church when I mentioned. I asked them at our church. They said Mark, but Mark. No, nope, Mark's not one. Simon Peter, Andrew, John, James the Greater, James the Less, Matthew, Philip, Bartholomew, 
Thomas, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas. Does anybody know who replaced Judas? Matthias. He's the one. Amen. I was going to give $100 if somebody knew it, but I thought maybe somebody, I thought somebody might take my $100 here. But you know, let me say something. You can only give to God what you have. You can't give him anymore. You just give him what you have. It's what God does it once we give it to him. The little boy didn't have more. He just gave the Lord what he had. What do you have? So all I've got is time. Give him your time. You can pray. Well, I don't, I don't have that much. I don't, I, don't have, I don't have much at all, Pastor. Listen, simply obey God and give God what it is that, that you have. If you wait until you have enough, if you wait until you have enough money, you'll never have enough money. You'll never have enough. Oh, Pastor, when I get more time, then I'm really going to commit myself. If you wait until you have more time, you'll never have more time. The devil will always find a way to occupy us and to keep us from, from stepping out and being obedient to what the Lord would do in our lives. The moment we begin to exercise, the moment we take a step of faith, then God begins to meet that need. I was thinking about when we were pastoring in northern Colorado and we, we didn't have, uh, we didn't have any, any boys, any young boys to start a, a boys' ministry. We didn't have like a, a program for that. But the moment we, we said, you know what, we're going to just start something, God began to bring in these boys. And we started a, a, a Rangers program for these young men. We, somewhere we've got to learn that, that God meets us when we step out in faith. When Jesus said, come, Simon Peter stepped out of the boat and he walked on water. He walked, as Reinhard Bonnke says, he walked on the word come. He says, you give them something to eat. Why does he say that? Because you and I are instruments of mercy. We're useful. We're instruments of mercy. If you want a miracle in your life, if you want God to do something in your life, take a step of faith. That's where the breakthrough comes. Everybody could have just stood around looking at each other, which they probably did. You know, they're kicking the dirt, you know, thinking somebody else needs to answer this question. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Listen, since I've been talking, I don't know how long I've been going, but did you know that that Every 1.8 seconds, somebody steps into eternity. As far as I know, that's the statistic. So that means there's 18 people every 10 seconds. Is that right? 18 seconds? Just like that. Every minute, people stepping into eternity. We sometimes think, well, it's not close to home. It's not in my immediate family. It's somewhere out there. Somebody else. Somebody else's situation. You know, all around us, there are needs and there are opportunities. And I want to make this challenge to our church here. Let's be vessels that God can use. Let's be instruments of his mercy. Whether it's in our time, it's in our resources, whatever the case is, let's be instruments of God's mercy on this earth. Amen? We'll get a breakthrough. We'll get a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough in your finances? Listen, I'm not t- tomorrow night, I'm not going to... We could very easily say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to take offerings and we're going to do all of these different things uh, separate from the regular church offering. That's not what we're doing. I wanna, God is not after our money. He wants to give us, get us money. He wants, to, he wants to bring us health. He wants to bring us breakthrough. 
He's on the giving hand. Amen? He's not, on, he's not tight-fisted. He's open-handed. He's on the giving hand. Let's bow our heads together all over this place in reverence to God in prayer. You need help. You need hope this evening. I want you to know that God, he multiplies the five loaves and the two fish. He creates miracles. He redeems broken-hearted families and broken lives. He takes men like the man I mentioned, Aaron, in Denver, Colorado. He reaches down, and it's like he reaches down into the gutter somewhere. Where there's conflict at home, there's chaos, there's torment in the mind. There's problems on every side, and he reaches down and finds that individual. He says, you're mine. The devil can no longer have you. I'm taking you as my own. He brings him to church. Maybe he doesn't even bring a person. He sends us to that person. Did you know that most, most people, they're never going to walk into a church like this. That's why he says, go out into the highways and the byways. Go and find them and compel them to come. Compel them to come. Don't you know that your life is precious and valuable to God? He says, I've got great things for you. I've got a future for you. I've got a hope for you. I've got plans. I've got desires of my own for your life. Tonight, while our heads are bowed and every eye is closed, you don't know the Lord tonight. Maybe you're here and you say, I don't know I don't know Jesus. I don't know salvation. I haven't repented of my sins. I'm, I know my sin. I, I'm away from God. You say, tonight, I'm in need of a Savior. I need Jesus. How many all across this place would just, by lifting up your hand, you say, that's me. I need the Lord. I need Jesus. Amen. I see these hands. God bless you tonight. Several hands. How many others? Say, I need, I need the Lord. I need salvation. I need God to help me. I need a miracle. Maybe you need a miracle in your marriage. You say, hey, I, Pastor, I know what I, what, what's going on behind those closed doors. We need help. I want you to know God restores marriages. He restores our minds. One last time, how many, you don't know the Lord, but tonight you say, I'm, I'm ready to receive him. I'm ready to come back home to Jesus. God bless you, sir. Yes. I believe you mean it. How many others? That's, that's several all over this place. Amen. Let's, let's stand together. We're going to open up these altars for prayer. I'm going to invite you to come and find a place to pray, but especially these that have lifted their hands for salvation. Can I pray for you? Is that all right? Amen. We're going to open up these altars. I want to encourage you to come and find a place, any place down here. The Holy Spirit's been dealing with you. Maybe the Lord's talking to you. Maybe maybe you're, you're wrestling with your own faith. You say, you know what? I'm challenged in my faith. I'm challenged in, in, the, in the things I've held back. We're going to pray and believe God together. I want these, if they would, just to come. Just kneel down to come and find a place. Just kneel down right here, sir. Amen. Praise God.
We're going to sing. Let's come and just let's just find a place, kneel and talk to the Lord and just begin to pray and ask God to help us and to touch us here this evening.
we're going to pray. Let's just pray a simple prayer of salvation together for these. Some, some have already prayed, but let's pray together. I will pray all of us together, all right? Just close your eyes. Just pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you tonight, and I ask for mercy. Lord, come into my heart. Change me. I repent of my sin. That means I turn my back on my sin. Lord, I look to you. Wash me and cleanse me. Write my name down in heaven. And from this night forward, I make up my mind. I'm going to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Tonight we want to pray and believe God for those that are sick in their bodies. How many, how many are sick here tonight? You need God to touch you. You need a miracle in your body. We have a few. Only one. Just one person. Two. Amen. Just come stand up here. Can you come up this way? Is that all right? Are you in pain right now? Your side hurts? Are you in pain at this, at this moment in your stomach? All right, we're going to agree. We have several here. We're going to agree together for those that are not right here and you still want prayer. Lay your hand on your body where you're sick. And when we pray, we're going to agree together. If, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're in pain right now, in a moment, we're going to test ourselves. We're going to check, our, check ourselves and, and believe God for those that can. But we're going to agree right now in prayer. Amen. Anybody else down here, you're sick and you need prayer? All right. Would you, would you stretch your hands? Let's stretch our hands and let's put our faith in action here. Can we do that? Just stretch your hands right down here in the front. We're going to agree in prayer. Amen. Let's just believe God together. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. Father God, I thank you that you're our healer. Jesus, I thank you for the sacrifice at the cross. Lord, I thank you for our healing that was paid for at the cross. Heavenly Father, right now we stand on your promises. Lord, we believe you that by faith, Lord, you're doing a miracle right now. In the name of Jesus. I speak right now to all pain and all sickness. Devil, you're a liar. We take dominion right now over this pain. We take dominion right now. Devil, get your hands off of her body. We speak to this pain. You unclean spirit, you foul spirit of sickness, of pain and disease, you have no right to these lives. And I plead the blood of Jesus right now. Father, I thank you that by your stripes we're healed in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for touching her, Lord. Just speak the word right now and let it be done in Jesus' name. You unclean spirit, you foul spirit of sickness and disease, take your hands off of the children of God, the people of God right now. Lord, we thank you and we give you glory right now for your mercy. Thank you, Jesus. You are our healer. And we stand on your word. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen.
Hallelujah. Now let's just begin to give God thanks. Come on, let's thank Him. Let's thank Him for healing. Let's thank Him for our healing. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your blood that was shed. Thank you for our healing. Thank you for our healing. In the name of Jesus, praise God. Now, by faith, we check ourselves. You begin to try and do something that you could not do. If you couldn't bend over, amen. Yeah, begin to exercise it, amen. Can you tell? Is there pain? Is, it still, is there still pain there? It still hurts? Is it, is it the same amount as before? It's less? All right, we're going we're gonna to pray again. We're going to believe God again. How is your arm? It's, it's better. Could you, what, how high could you lift it before? About like that? All right, we're going to believe God again. How about you? Is it's better? Is it completely gone or is it still there a little bit? All right, we're going to believe God. We're going to pray again. Somebody else? Anybody else you know that you're healed completely? You're completely healed? All right, let's pray one more time. Then I'm going to turn over to Pastor Blake. Amen. How many still got faith? Amen. Hey, listen, we're going to, we're going to prove God. We're going to put God to the test. Amen.